God gave me something to talk to you about. Uh, it's not always the most popular topic in the world to talk about, but anyway, um, I want to start with a few stories. About 2010, we were in the midst of praying for to get hope to start. And we were looking at um, places where we could possibly meet, and we were looking at warehouses, because that was all that kind of anybody we knew who were starting churches, that's what they were getting. They were getting warehouses and converting them and all the rest of it. So I started looking at warehouses all around the place. So I went to one on Clannard Road. It's only around the corner. If anybody wants to go for a walk someday, I'll bring it and show you the place. And it was a kip. It was like a warehouse. And it was a dive, and Anne hated it. And um, anyways, I was, in, I was in the office, and we were going through planning permission things, and it was all costing a fortune, and... And one day, I, I, I went in anyway, and we'd done a deal, and I, and I shook hands on a deal with this man. And it was all based on us getting planning permission and a few other bits and pieces. And, um, and I walked out, and what I had shook hands on was a deal to rent this place for five years at 2,900 and something euro a month. Okay? We hadn't even started a church. Never mind have a congregate, nothing. There was the two of us, maybe three or four other people praying us. And... Um, I remember walking out the door and, and I stood at the car and I went, what are you like? You, I won't tell you what I called myself. It wasn't enough of the, the tape. But it wasn't, it was like, you take up. What are you doing? And I walked away and I was going, that's ridiculous. We have no money. We can't afford this. Blah, de, blah, de, blah. And I remember praying and I was saying, God, what, like, what's going on here? Where, where am I going with this? What's the story? How are we going to manage this and all the rest of it? And that was on, I think it was a Friday, Thursday or a Friday. And that Sunday, I met somebody who gave me a thousand euro in an envelope in cash. And said, that's for the church. And I went, thanks very much. Hadn't happened before. I wasn't going to say no. If anyone wants to give me money in an envelope now, I still take it off. I don't care what color the envelope is. I'm not proud. On the Monday, I got a phone call from somebody who said who was running a drug rehab at the time that we were friends with, and he said, um, I was thinking about you over the weekend, really feel the Lord wants us to give you a donation towards the new church, and we want to give you a thousand euro. I'll have to check in the post here this week. So I went, oh, that's interesting. And then on Friday, I got a phone call, and this other chap we knew said, been thinking about you, thinking about your new church, really feel the Lord wants to give us something, I'd be up in the morning with a few bob for you. So I went, that's grand. And he arrived at our house on the Saturday morning with his brother, I think, and a tin of money that he'd been saving in, which happened to have 900 euro in it. Okay? And as clear as I am standing here and you can talk to me, I heard God said, now will you shut up about money? Within seven days, we had a month's rent arrive into the house of 2,900 euro without ever asking for it, without ever praying for it. It just came. Um, turn that down just a little bit, Oshie, a minute. When we came to know about this place, and this is in 2013, October 2013, I was on the phone one day talking to the auctioneer, and um, we hadn't got a bean in the bank. There was no money in the bank. And oh, that's a lie. Sorry, there was probably a few hundred in the bank. But uh, that's not me. So, that was a bit too soon. Uh, that's coming, but not yet. We had, um, 
we had this phone conversation. I had this phone conversation. It was actually in O'Connor Bridge. I was on my lunch hour from work. Had a phone conversation with the auctioneer. And he said, yeah, we're interested in you taking the building. We said, yeah, we're interested in taking the building. He thought we were a cash buyer. Huh? We were. But uh, he said, I need a deposit off you. And I said, fine. How much do you need? He said, 10,000 euro. I said, when do you need? He said, by the end of the week. I said, fine. We'll see you then. <laughs> that was on Tuesday at 1 o'clock. On Wednesday at 1 o'clock. We had 10,000 euro. Now, two and a half grand that came out of our credit union, which was my motorbike funds, which went yet again. But the other seven and a half thousand came in in 24 hours without us looking for it or asking for it. Within another three weeks, we had 30,000 with people giving us money towards it. Now, we didn't get to buy the building, and I don't understand why all that happened, and and I'm not even going to pretend. Someday when we get to heaven, we'll find out. But God provided. A couple of months ago, we'd done a, we'd done a, we had something happen that we wanted to bless a certain couple for doing for us. And we didn't have the money to do it. We didn't want to give them a ton of money. We just wanted to give them a sum of money. It was a few hundred quid. A good few hundred quid, but it was a few hundred quid. And I remember me and I were talking, and, we got, and it was like, what would you really like to give? And I was like, this is what I would like to give. And I was like, okay, we'll write the check. And... And we'll do it. And that Sunday, and it has never happened before and it hasn't happened since, the exact amount of money we wrote on that check was in that box down there. The exact amount of money. Never happened before, never happened since. Guess what I want to talk to you about this morning? Now you can play that slide. Have a wild guess. Who knows the song? Do you want to sing? Go on, I dare you. You ready? Where's Cathy now? Go on. <laughs> okay, you can flick it on, flick it on, flick it on. That's enough of that. Here's the thing. This is probably the most popular topic in a church to talk about, money. Because we're always after your money, aren't we? That's what you always think about, George. When we started going to St. Mark's first, I don't know how many people said to us, they're only after your money. And we were both going, if they could find any, I'd give them half. Because we hadn't got a bean. We really didn't. These are the kind of talks, this is a quiet church anyway, you're not all shouters, I know that, but it gets usually real quiet when you start talking about money. This is not the same when people come up afterwards and goes, I was so blessed, I really needed to hear that. Thank you so much, I'm so encouraged, this is amazing, wow. But you know what, that's okay. Because I really believe God knows what our hearts need. And I believe money is probably one of the most important topics that we can talk about in church. And we don't talk about it enough. Because I know, even from being part of a lot of your lives, money has created massive problems for loads of you. And it can be a a force for good, or it can be a force for evil, depending on what we do with it. It's a tool, I do think, it's a bit like a hammer. There are a couple of people in this room who are really handy with hammers. Good workmen. There are a couple of people in this room who hammers would make a good weapon for in another circumstance. You can do something really good with a hammer, but you can do something really dangerous with a hammer. The internet is the same. Any tool is the same. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just a tool, and money is just a tool. In the right hands, it can do amazing stuff, but in the wrong hands, or with the wrong motivation, it can destroy lives. There's scriptures to talk about money, what we should do with it, how we should handle it. 
how we should be its master and not allow it to be our master. Jesus talked about money and greed and generosity when he was on the earth. He talked about how money can create greediness and we don't even realize it. And how we can be blinded to the power of money. And how the only way we can ever really be free of it is to have a relationship with God. And that that becomes the most important. Because I know when I became a Christian and I committed my life to Jesus, money was my God. It was massive. I would beg, borrow, or steal it. It didn't matter what. There was no, as long as we had what we needed, the family had what it needed, I would do whatever it took. He taught that people who put their trust in money would never be secure. And I often wonder, do you know the way we say, oh God, yeah, when I win the lottery, I'll be grand. I often wonder about that lady in Limerick that won the 110 million. I wonder how much grief that brought her. I have read multiple stories of people who won the pools in England years ago, all the lotters, and their lives were wrecked. I remember um, hearing a preacher one time listening to a podcast, and he said, if he talked about money as much as Jesus did, there'd be nobody left in his church. So I want to tell you something up front, and the reason I told you them stories is because I want to tell you this up front. This is not a sermon about trying to get you to get your money. I'm not after your money. I'm not looking to guilt you out of it. I'm not looking to manipulate, out of it. manipulate you out of it. That's the teeth again. It's not about that, okay? And God isn't looking for your money. He doesn't need it. He doesn't go shopping. He doesn't need money. He created the world and everything in it, including the money. See, I've been to the services where we're told God needs your money. I've watched the guys on the telly saying God needs your money. And if you only send the 50, God will bless you and you'll be rich. And you know what? Honestly, I think that creates ridicule for us as Christians. I think it's sad that we could say we serve an all-powerful God, but he needs your money. How can he be all-powerful and need your money? I'm sorry, but I think that's embarrassing. And I'm not against giving money into churches. Just let me clarify that. I am not against giving money into churches. Okay. Or ministries. Or anything like that. And I believe God wants us to do that. But it's not because he needs it. But it's because he's given us an opportunity to partner with him. It's because he's given us an opportunity to be in what he's doing. And sometimes the only way we can do that is by giving money. And in all of that stuff, it's never your money he's after, it's your heart. Because I promise you, either God will have your heart or money will have your heart. But both of them won't have it at the same time. We either save money or it saves us. And I've no doubt in my mind that all the prosperity in the world belongs to God. (coughs) And if I give money to churches or give money to ministries or whatever I might give it to, I'm only doing, I'm only giving him his money back into something that he's doing. It's not like it's mine anyway. I just get to use it. I really do believe it's not about the cash. It's about our hearts. 
There's a slide coming up and it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For years I thought that said, Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. For years. But it doesn't. It says, Where your treasure is, your heart will be. I remember years ago listening to a teacher and it was um, an AGI conference in the UK and they had a guy called Dr. Teo speaking at it. He was an African um, minister for London and he was teaching on money. Probably the best, next to Robert Morris's teaching on tithe and probably the best teachings I've ever heard about money and what, and what money is and what it doesn't. But he gave this example about how he brought his kid to McDonald's one day and he bought him a Happy Meal. And then he said to him, can I have a chip? And the young fellow went, no, they're mine. And he went, sorry, just give us a chip. And he went, no, they're mine. And he said, the young fella got it and started pulling the back away from him like this on the table. And he said, I could have buried him in chips. I had bought him the Happy Meal. I asked for one scabby chip. He didn't say scabby, I'm saying scabby. Right. Do you get where that's going? He was after the young fella's heart. It's not after the chip. Look at open bar himself a big Mac meal with three times the amount of chips in it. It was about his heart. In a very similar way, I believe God's not after our money, he's after our hearts. See, lots of people have an idea that money is a dirty topic. You don't talk to God about it. I used to think that for years. You can pray for anything, but don't ask God for money. When we got saved, there was these people who used to put their ESB bill up on the mantelpiece and pray for God to pay the bill. We used to think they were nutsers. Right? I mean, just thought they were nutsers. Right? We'd go home, we'd start doing it then, because we had no money either. Mocking is catching. I'm warning you, mocking is catching. Don't be slagging them, right? See, money isn't alien to the gospel. It's part of it. It's part of life. And anything that has to do with life has to do with the gospel. Anything. God's interested. And if it's been your experience that the only time you hear people talking about money from a church perspective has been to manipulate you out of it, has been to try and get it out of you, I want to apologize because that's misrepresenting God. You should never have got that message. It's so far from the truth of the gospel. Money is a really intricate part of our life. And it affects us so much that God actually spoke about it. He spoke about money as much, if not more, than sex. As much as not more than most of the other things and topics you come up against in the Bible. Now, I've heard guys saying, oh, money is talked about 2,000 times. I haven't found them scriptures. I don't know where they're getting that from. But it's talked about plenty. And sometimes as teachers and leaders, we can be afraid to tackle the subject because it's a sticky one. But God's not afraid to tackle it. I have been. I'm not good at talking about money to people. I get very uncomfortable. I'm very uncomfortable now. I'm not good at asking for it in loads of situations. I work for myself. I pitch for jobs and then people say, how much would you charge to go? I just hate being asked even how much I charge. I don't like it. I have counseled more people for nothing because I haven't got the bottle to ask them for money. Even when they want to pay me, I go, no, it's all right, it's grass, 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 grass. No, no, let's not talk about money. I'm just trying to share with you where I'm at. I am not comfortable talking about money. And I'm not comfortable 
telling you what you should do with your money. I am not comfortable doing that. But God is quite comfortable doing it. He doesn't have a problem telling you what you should do with your money. And he's not afraid to tell you that if you don't own your money, your money will own you. And it can become a God in your life and will kill you if it gets a chance. It will kill you. There are people who have died trying to chase money. He's not afraid to tell you in 1 Timothy that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of it is a root of all kinds of evil. And that it's caused loads of people to walk away from the faith. In Matthew 6, 6 sorry, Jesus talks to us about storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven. And how we should be given to the needy. Let's read this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others and to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Sorry. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves in heaven treasures where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's a couple of really quick things from those verses. The first assumption, you're given to the needy. The first assumption, you are giving to the needy. So when you are given to the needy, not if you're given, when you're given. Then we get the instruction on how to give in secret. Don't let everyone know. Don't go, oh look, I am putting £10 into the thing. You're getting all the rewards you're never going to get doing that. You'll get the clap on the back and you'll get people going, oh look, isn't he a great fella giving a tenner? If you see a need and you can help it, just do it and keep your mouth shut. Keep it quiet and you'll get the reward in heaven. Then it goes on about the results of the giving, the consequences of the action, the reaping of our sowing. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where tears break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where tears do not break in and steal. And I say, what does that mean? How, how do you store up in heaven? You can't put money in a bank in heaven, can you? Probably better interest rates than down here. And hopefully they won't rob you like the banks down here do. But, but somehow we must be able to, mustn't we? Because the Bible is telling us lies or it's telling us the truth. And if it's telling us the truth, then there has to be some way we can store up something in heaven. When that was written, people were storing up grain and cows and pigs and sheep and whatever else. And we don't live in that kind of a world. Unless maybe some of you have little pigs and sheep out the backyard and I don't know about. But we walk in a world with cash. But somehow, even walking with cash we can use the storehouse in heaven instead of using the storehouse here. We can still be robbed. We can still have things we pay lots of money for rot away. 
we had this wooden swing in the back garden that we paid a prayer for you about for 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever. And Kieran and Emma sat in the last week and it right away. We say goodbye to it. How do we store up treasures for ourselves in heaven? Where do you put your money? I'm going to give you an example. And, and please, this is not to go, oh, aren't we great? But I can only give you real life examples. And the only real life I have is ours. Many years ago, probably 20 years ago, when we were coming out of what I would call probably a period of the most abject poverty we had lived in for quite a while. We'd been homeless. We were living with Anne's mom with two kids. Um, everything had gone wrong with us money-wise. And we were trying to get back on our feet. And then we got back on our feet. And we started being able to afford to have life insurance again. And, and we got a chance to buy the house we're in now. And all this kind of stuff happened. And then we had a really good friend who was into selling life insurance and um, house insurance and pensions. And he was on our case big time to get a pension out. So we were in our mid to late 30s at this stage. The ideal time to be taken out of pension. Should have been investing in it. So that when, in eight years' time, we reach retirement age, we'd have a pension. And, and to use the cliche and say, I prayed about it, is not a cliche, it was the truth. But I kept telling him I'd pray about it, and that was just to shut him up and leave me alone. Right? That's a good Christian answer. If you don't want to answer someone, just say, I'll pray about that. I'll come back to you. But we did think about it and we did pray about it. And we did come to the conclusion that we had X amount of money, whatever that was. Say, just say it was 20 quid a week. That we could either put into a pension or we could put into a ministry. But we couldn't do both. And that was the scripture that came back. It was either we put our money into something that can rot away or that thieves can steal. Or we put it into a treasury in heaven. So we found some people that we really believed in what they were doing. And we started investing in what they were doing. Do you know what would have happened to our money in the pension? In the crash? We would have invested probably over 100,000 euro at that stage. And we would have had about 20 grand over. But instead that money has gone into heaven. Now, I don't know how that works. I don't know how we get the pension out of that. But I trust in God a lot better than I'll trust in the banks in this world. Because he's never let me down. He's never left us short. And do you know what that also did? Because that scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We can save two masters. Either we save God and he's the boss, or we save money and that's the boss. We can't have a both ways. And we decided we couldn't have a both ways, so we went for one way. And putting our money into the kings of God and into the church was our treasure being put into that. And I guess what followed was our hearts. Because the church got our hearts. And we wouldn't be here now doing this if we hadn't have done. I have no doubt about that. Done that back then. There's a story in the book of um, Luke in the 21st chapter. Jesus is standing at the entrance to the temple. And it goes like this. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. 
Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gift out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So I was thinking, is Jesus saying we're supposed to put everything we have into the box? Are we supposed to leave ourselves like with no food, no, no whatever? I have to tell you, I don't know. I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I think he calls different people to do different things. So sometimes he might say to you, put everything in the, give everything to that person who's homeless, do this, do that, do the other. And sometimes he just says, no, that's not what I'm looking for. But up until this time that this happened and Jesus was on the earth, it was taught that a person should give 10% of everything they had to the church. And it was the way they upkept the temple and the priests. And the priests came from a certain tribe and they weren't given any lands. So the way they got their inheritance from God was everybody else gave them 10%. So they got as much. I figured they got a good deal because they didn't have to go out doing the farming. But they got 10%. Maybe being in the church was a bit harder than the farming. I don't know. And there's loads of churches today that teach tithing as a principle. And there's also loads of churches that teach tithing isn't New Testament. Just two sides to, to almost everything. I do believe in it, and we do teach it. I'm not very good at it because I'm not comfortable talking about money. So this is the first time in four years I've spoke about it. So you should be safe enough for another three or four years again before I talk about it again. But I learned to tie it loads of years ago, many, many years ago. And you know what? I know people who are not even Christian who tie it out of their businesses and tie it out of their thing because they know it's a principle that works. See, God put principles and rules in, in operation in our universe and it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus or you don't. Them rules still, still work. And I'm going to give you an example of one. Anyone who wants to go up in that balcony and say, I believe in Jesus and jump is going to hit that floor. <laughs> and anyone who wants to go up in that balcony and says, I don't believe in Jesus and jump, they're going to hit the floor just as hard. Because that's gravity. And it works no matter where you're at. And the principle of sowing and reaping works. Joan's sitting there going, I didn't even know there was a balcony. No. <laughs> Here's the thing. These principles work. Do you sow so you reap? Yes. Do you give to God so you give more back to you? It's the wrong motivation, but the principle works. My personal belief is that higher than 10% is where I start, not the whole deal. And where I give the money is also important. See, Jesus didn't teach me to give 10. He taught me to give everything. Actually, the deal I have with Jesus is, I have 20, Lord, what do I do with it? Now I have 20, here's two. It's like, can I hold on to two? I'd like a coffee at McDonald's. What do I do with the 18? To do that, you have to stay in contact with God. You have to be in, in a, um, a communion with him. You have to be walking with him. You have to be able to hear him. You have to be able to hear when he says, Brian, do this. Brian, do that. There's a story in, in the book of Acts about a couple called Ananias and Sapphira, and I won't go through it now. But they sold the field, and they had money, and then they gave some and pretended they gave it all, and then they ended up dead. It's really encouraging about giving money. You give money and then die. Um, but, but, but here's the thing. It was their money. They could do whatever they wanted for it. God's given you money. You can do whatever you want with it. That's your choice. 
We don't have policemen. We don't have the Gestapo. We don't do any of that stuff. But it is our choice what we do with it. God gives us that choice. But it is a choice, and choices carry responsibilities and carry consequences. There's a scripture in Galatians that says, Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Here's the thing. We could talk about money for months. About who owns it, who controls it, and what we should do with it. We could argue over principles. Should I tie it? Should I not tie it? Should you give money to the church? Should you give nothing to the church? Should you not give money to people in case they rip you off? Or should you give it to them anyway, even if they do rip you off? Should you not keep all the money for yourself and your family? Should you work for it? Why shouldn't you? Should your family do without some luxury so other people maybe can eat? It's a rough one, isn't it? Why should your family or you suffer? You work hard. Don't you deserve to be able to do whatever you want with your money? Do you know what? All them questions are relevant to the discussion. Every one of them. But they're not central to it. Let me read one more scripture. In 2 Corinthians it says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We were in a church for years. Gary Davidson was here preaching a few years ago. He used to say, God loves a cheerful giver. I'll take her off a grouch. I don't care where the money comes from. He didn't care if you were grumpy. Just give him the money. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I want to tell you, God has done that in our life. There's never been one single thing we wanted to do that we believed was in the will of God that was what we were supposed to do that God hasn't supplied what we needed to do. Not once. As it is written, they have freely scattered the gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures now. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So I have a picture up there of bread, hopefully, in a minute. There should be a picture of bread and seeds. So here's the thing about bread. The more bread I eat, the less I have. And the less potential there is to do anything about it. If I have two slices of bread and eat one, I can only make you a sandwich with one slice. If I eat one and a half slices, I can only give you a half sandwich. If you're on a diet, that's good. But if you're not on a diet, that's not good. But the more seeds that I sow, the more potential there is for all of us to have food. God gave us both. And here's the thing. The condition of our heart is the driving force for whether we will use them correctly or not. See, he gives us money to be bread and he gives us money to be seed. You have both. If you've got 50 quid in your pocket, some of that is meant to be bread and some of it is meant to be seed. The condition of our heart will determine what we do with our treasure and what we do with our treasure will determine the condition of our heart. Remember, God's not after your money. He's after your heart. 
So will you eat your seed or sow it? Will you store up treasure on earth or will you store up treasure in heaven? That choice is yours. Should you give the hope? What do I think? Hope exists to try and reach the people of this community with information that can change their eternity. With information that can change their life. With help and hope for a better future, a better life, a better eternity. Do I think you should invest in hope? Yeah, absolutely I think you should invest in hope. For loads of reasons. One is because we do. Since we started hope, we've tied it into it. And so have other people. That's how we've existed for five years. People have given. I've had people sitting talking to me going, oh, they don't come or they don't do this or they don't do that. They're the people who've been putting money in the bank every month to pay the rent when no one else was. It didn't come out of thin air. A couple of years ago, I left working full time. Um, Because I couldn't go on juggling everything, basically. I had a breakdown, whatever other word you want to put on it. Burned out. But one of the consequences of that was that our income has almost been halved. It's fine. Except for at the same time, God challenged us to give twice what we were given. Which wasn't fun. And it's been a challenge, and some months it's been more of a challenge than others. But have we been blessed for it? Yeah, I believe we have. Absolutely. I believe hope is working. And I believe God's doing and is going to do amazing things through who we are and what we're doing here in Crumlin. There's a little girl down there. And I want to be part of that. And you know what? I want you to have that chance too. So here's the bit, isn't it? This is what you've been waiting for. Here's the bit where I try and put the squeeze on you for the money. So I've been talking all of that stuff just to try and get your money. Now what happens? I want to tell you right now, if you never give a penny into hope, the only one who's going to lose out on that is you. Because God will do what he wants to do through hope. We've had the privilege of leading this place for over five years. And we have never seen God not provide. In cash or goods. There's a soup run that's been going here for nearly five years. We've never had to pour a penny into it from central funds. Because God provides for it. True. Every time you've needed something. It's there. Right? He provides for this. He's provided for this place. He's provided this place. He's provided everything we've needed in this place. The chairs you're sitting for um, were provided by a group in America that paid the money for to buy them. It didn't just fall out of the sky. Someone gave. Someone believed in what God was doing. See, your choice today, and I'm saying your, because normally I'm up here and I'm saying ours. I made my choice. Your choice today is whether you want to be part of it all. Because I believe that you have a choice whether you can be a consumer or an investor in the things of heaven. You have a choice to invest in things that don't rot away, or in things of this earth, or where people can steal it, or where they can't. You have a choice to be a seed sower or a bread eater. Told you this is one of them sermons that people get quiet with. What will you do? So here's the thing. We are not going to start taking up collections in here. Much to Anne's disappointment. And just because I talked about money doesn't mean I'm going to start asking people to tithe and I'm going to start cornering people and hassling people. I'm not. We have a given box down the back. We have people who give through the, through the bank every month. 
It's your responsibility what you do. It's up to you. If you don't believe hope is where you should put your money, fine. Find somewhere that you can believe in and put your money into that. But give your money. Don't let your money have that power in your life. Own it. Giving is your responsibility. It's also your privilege and it's your opportunity. And it's your God-given right and your destiny to be known as a generous people. Jesus was a generous God who came and gave everything he had so that we could have what we have. The question is whether or not you are going to walk into your destiny and that, my friend, it's up to you. All I can do is paint you a picture and say here is an opportunity that God is calling you to. And what I want to do is I'm going to finish now because I'm three minutes over and pray. And my prayer for you is not that you will feel guilty or condemned or manipulated or any of those things. But I certainly want you to feel challenged. I certainly want you to go over here thinking, where do I stand with my cash? Do I own my money or does my money own me? Am I working for a living or am I living to work? Am I serving this world and the flesh and everything else that goes with it? Or am I actually serving God with all the parts of my life? And I want to tell you something. Money is a massive part of everyone's life. I don't think I know a single human being who I couldn't sit down to and say, could we talk about money? And they'll go, yeah, we can talk about money. It's either brilliant for them or it's lousy for them. Or it's okay. But they know where they stand with their money. God wants to know where you stand with your money. Because he wants to know where you stand with your heart. It's not your cash. It's what's in there. That's what he's after. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to, to speak about something that you know and I know is not my favorite topic to even talk about. It's not what I want to be talking about. It's not the kind of talk that just fires people up and makes them want to go out and take over the world. But it is the kind of talk that gets us to the core of where our relationship is with you. So Jesus, I want to pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would move in each single one of our hearts. And would show us a way to move into the plans that you have for us. Lord, I believe it is our joy, it is our privilege, it is our responsibility, yes, but it is our privilege to be able to give into your kingdom. And wherever that may be, oh God, whether that's whether that's here, or whether it's somewhere else, or whether it's something that's happening in giving clean water to babies in Africa. Whatever it is, God, I believe it is our joy and our privilege to be able to be part of that. And Lord, I am sick and tired of hearing people being robbed of the blessings that come with giving. I believe you have a generous heart and that if we are walking with you, that we are supposed to have a generous heart. So Lord, right now I pray 
that your power would fall in this place. Your spirit is here. For that your power would move our hearts to become investors in your kingdom. To become people who become known for their generosity. To become people who know how to handle money because we know how to give it away. Because we own it and it does not own us. So Lord, right now I pray that you would move. Lord, as we sit, and I pray that every person in this room right now just close our eyes and just connect with you one-to-one. That they would ignore the person sitting beside them, the person sitting behind them or in front of them. And they would just connect with your spirit and you would speak to their hearts. Lord, you promise that you will lead us in the way everlasting and that your spirit will lead us into all truth. I believe what has been said today is your truth. And your truth promises to set us free. So if we are in this room and the love of money has held our hearts, or the fear of money has held our hearts, or the fear of not having money has held our hearts, that today, today, the 22nd of May, 2016, that we would be set free. And that never again will that have that power over us. That never again will an inanimate object, a tool that you created for good, will it ever have the power to stop us being who we were destined to be. God, I pray the power of your Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead right now will set people free. Right now, this moment, will set them free in their hearts and their minds that they will be able to follow you with all of their lives, including their purses and including their wallets. That there will be no bit of their life that will not be surrendered to you. That there will be no bit of their life that will not be under the control of your Holy Spirit. No bit, oh God. And Lord, if there's any words that I have spoken that have come across as manipulation or as guilting or as pushing and is not of you, Father, right now I pray they drop to the ground and never, never, ever be remembered. But I pray that what is life-given truth from your heart to ours pierces us like an arrow and that we leave this room never the same again. And I pray that the spirit of generosity would flow through the people of hope. And that we would be known as a church who give. Who give till it hurts. Who give when it hurts. Who give because it is our privilege to do so. And who give because we follow a God who never stops giving. Father, I pray your blessing on your people. I pray that this week as they go forward that they would know the fellowship of your Holy Spirit. They would know the hand of the living God in every moment of their life. That every need that's in this room would be met. That every heart that needs to be touched would be touched and every body that needs to be healed would be healed. And I pray, Father, that you would have your way in our lives. 
And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, folks. God bless you. Thank you.